Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. This is VSIN, the network. Hope you had a nice day. And Champ Sunday, we were going to Steve Fezzik. He said, so Lions, rough. I know Mish have. A great state of Michigan, city of Detroit, have a long time to think about what happened last night in Santa Clara. Of course, the Ravens as well. It's going to be a long offseason, but we do have the rematch of Super Bowl 54, Super Bowl 58. That's Kansas City and San Francisco. So the book's open two and a half, got hit down to one, San Francisco Lane, to discuss that and more. Now, Steve Fezzik, professional handicapper, but also very fastidious. So he has sent over so many notes today that I had to say, save the rest for when you're on the air, because there's so much here. And so we can start tackling it because Steve is fired up about the Super Bowl. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson flanking him there at the D. I'm Patrick Maher. Steve, pregame.com, Fezzik Sports on Twitter. Let's start here and then we'll get into what Dan Campbell did. We'll get into how Baltimore blew it from your notes. But let's start with the O opener for Super Bowl 58. I'll get out of the way. You just set it up. Yeah, so the books opened up a bad number. They opened San Fran minus two and a half. And so, and I know why they did, because the look headline on this hypothetical matchup was 49ers minus three, and then it closed minus two and a half. So the sharp bettors took Kansas City plus three on the look headline. And so all things being equal, it's not overreact to one game, right? Let's go ahead and open where it was last week, namely Niners minus two and a half. But really just a terrible line because, and there were some threes for seconds when they opened because what happened? Well, the Niners massively underperformed. Lions outplayed them for the entire first half. And even with a terrible third quarter, the Lions still had a chance at the end of the game. Whereas Kansas City just went into Baltimore, the best team in the NFL, and won the football game. So clearly you have to upgrade Kansas City. You have to downgrade San Francisco. So on what planet and what universe can we deal the same number as what we had last week? It has to come down, and it has come down. So current number, uh, Niners are minus one. I think it'll come down even more. I think it closes a solid pickup. And I got to tell you, Patrick, as a professional sports better who loves betting props in the Super Bowl, I hate pick'em games. A lot of people say, I love pick'em games, just pick the winner. But the problem is it makes it so easy as a uh, for an odds maker. What's the line on the third quarter? Oh, I'll make it pick'em. The fourth quarter, pick'em. Who's going to have the longest touchdown? Pick'em. You, you get the idea. It's, uh, it's so easy to price so many props when both teams have the same power rating. May I ask you what you would have with your power rankings? Now, I don't want to give too much away because hopefully, Fez, you'll be back next Monday. We have a long way to go, as you know, building up to this game. What do you think the true number is? Is it a pick them straight up? Yeah, I have San Fran eight and a half points better than an average team, and I have Kansas City seven and a half. So I have the Niners one point better. But frankly, if, if you look at the experience level of the teams and in the playoffs and the trust level of the quarterbacks and that experience, it's got to be worth at least a point. So my no big number, wait for it, Kansas City minus 104, San Fran plus 104. 
So uh, I would have Kansas City. It's like a baseball game. I would have Kansas City, if you're dealing, I guess, a dime line, I, I, what, I would make them like minus 108, and Kansas City and San Fran plus 102. With the straddle there. Yeah, we were saying we thought maybe a slight favorite for Kansas City, but again, it is a market. Now, I want to get into the particulars. Steve always has great opinions on in-game, so we'll get to that coming up in just a second. And again, his mind works with the probability, so maybe a different take than me just ranting about my favorite football team. Um, before we get there, uh, let's start here. You said... I want to talk about how Baltimore really choked. So we'll start with the early game. You feel as though Baltimore choked in that game. Why? Yeah, the penalties. So just um, egregious eight penalties for 95 yards. And it's okay to have penalties, but stupid penalties, it's not okay to have. And this is the most important game of all time. We all see this with like Draymond Green. He's playing in the playoffs and he just can't stop but getting technicals, right? And it's like, how can you not be buttoned up? How can you not, when you go out there, don't late hit the quarterback. Don't late hit on a receiver out of bounds. And yet, that's what Baltimore did. I, I know they fumbled, you know, on the half inch line and it happened sometimes. It wasn't like the player was being foolhardy with how he was trying to get in the end zone. But those penalties completely avoidable. And ultimately, I think it cost him the game. Steve, when you look at it from an overall perspective, how did you see it going into the game? And were you a little bit surprised by the fact that the Ravens abandoned the run early on and it seemed like they were playing into Kansas City's hands? Sure. So I like Kansas City. I, I'm embarrassed to say I bet Kansas City plus three and a half. And I thumped my chest and I said, there is no way, no way this line goes higher than three and a half. And it went up to five at Circus. So clearly everybody was looking at their power ratings and their injury reports and that Kansas City was more injured and Baltimore was better all year long and they were backing Baltimore. And so I was on, on an island with Kansas City and I don't like to be on an island. But um, ultimately, and this isn't my, just my handicap, a lot of people said this, in God we trust. Mahomes is as good as Brady ever was. And, you know, Pat and Lamar Jackson has a spotty at best record in the playoffs and he played a bad game he did not play well at all and ultimately you know what there's some plays that actually were fortuitous for baltimore including of course the deflection that would give lamar credit he hustled big time and caught the pass um but that's a 20-yard completion that could have been an interception easily um but uh, yeah, Baltimore's a run-heavy team and why they did not choose to go in that direction is beyond me now, I want to ask you about this because every handicap started or ended with, if you're going to take Baltimore, all right, you're laying, like you said, it was three and a half at close DraftKings circa five. So we're talked about, you know, the Ravens statistically, you go inside the numbers, the better team this year, but then every handicap. Now the industry can be a little insidious. So people get upset when somebody says yes, but Kansas city has Mahomes. from a professional perspective. You know, it's a little nebulous to say they have Mahomes, but there's something to that as he was spectacular yesterday. Well, and I think, and this is true in the NBA playoffs also, that we have power ratings that are different for the regular season versus the playoffs. And so a good example, like in the NBA is like Thibodeau's teams all play super hard and they have these great stats of the regular season because they don't take any games off, but they can't do anything in the playoffs. And Kansas City is obviously, they, they joke about and Andy Reid and he saves the good plays for the playoffs. But I think also Patrick Mahomes, he didn't score a touchdown all year long, you know, rushing. So he's obviously not putting his body at risk each and every game. It's a long season, but now he'll let it all hang out and rush the ball more and take more risks. And I think we saw him keeping plays alive. There's one play, of course, in particular, where he converted, I don't know if it was a third or a fourth down, um, to Kelsey. And just uh, no other quarterback in the league can make that play with um, how he kept it alive in the pocket and then lofted a ball to Kelsey at the last second. Yeah, Patrick, the play that Steve's referencing, he had 11 seconds on that play. <laughs> yeah, 11 seconds in the pocket, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about it, Steve. I, I love Lamar Jackson. I've been an ardent supporter. That was not a great performance. It was also interesting, Steve. Uh, I, I can't. I didn't look at the halftime number. I was with family, but you can help us fill in the blanks there at halftime. Chiefs Ravens, but Munkin, who counterpunched against the Texans, and the coverage was better coming out in that second half. He didn't seem to adjust. I thought the offense wasn't overly creative, and they definitely couldn't handle the Chiefs' pressure. 
Yeah, and you know, part of it's turnovers. I mean, you look at the underlying statistics, and I get it, Kansas City was nursing a 10-point lead, and their defense has been awesome in the second half, so they did very little. But the bottom line is I'm not confident that Kansas City wins if Baltimore doesn't fumble going into the end zone. Um, at the end of the game, I mean, yards per play, Baltimore won 5.9 to 4.4. They had um, Kansas City did move the chains better with more uh, first downs, but um, a 3-0 turnover difference and... 30 yards versus 95-yard penalty difference. That'll kill you every time, Patrick. Um, so pretty much I'll call it an evenly played game, but not a surprise if um, in a close game, it really wasn't even all that close, Kansas City was going to prevail. I, I get where Steve's point is in terms of some of the statistical numbers favoring Baltimore, 17 yards more, uh, seventeen yards total more gain. But to me, the big thing is you mentioned the turnovers, and then I'm, I'm a big fan of third-down conversion. Baltimore's 40, uh, just Baltimore's 27%, and Kansas City's 44%. And I think that's really when, Patrick, you talked about it when we started the show, 37 and a half minutes to 22 and a half in terms of time of possession. I thought that was crucial in this game. What's interesting is how one game can define a legacy because people were talking about how Lamar Jackson, he's gotten a bad rap. He's a two-time MVP. He's, de he's deserving of being given accolades. And now after this game, and to be fair, you know, many said this about Peyton Manning for much of his career. Um, I guess a kind of... Um, obviously at a higher level, but the greatest regular season quarterback of all time and a very mediocre at best playoff quarterback. Um, and Lamar Jackson has just come up empty in enough playoff games now that we just cannot trust him. Yeah, I think six starts, six touchdowns, six, six picks, Dustin, for Lamar Jackson. And you and I obviously have been a defender of his. I thought he was off yesterday. I thought he was a half second slow in the pocket to just run and use his best weapon. And he overthrew a bunch. So, yeah, he was off for sure. Yeah, Steve, so Todd Munkin had an awful game plan. And I know we always talk about head coaches. We talk about quarterbacks when it comes to the line. We have Todd Munkin having an awesome, awful game plan. We have Steve Spagnuolo for Kansas City with another tremendous game plan. How much are you factoring the coordinators and how high or low you are on them coming into games for your, for your handicap? Pretty much zero because it's all built in and baked into my numbers. So, like, if, if someone's a good coordinator or a bad coordinator, unless they're going to change their level, sure. it's all in the, in the data over the course of the season. To be fair, um, there was one play, we all saw it, where Lamar Jackson, was it the fourth down play where he broke through and he, and he gets to, he's close to midfield, freeze it, all right? Freeze the play right there. He could score. He's going to run away from everybody. Yes. What's this? He's getting run down, and he's, it's not even close. He was looking he's around. He's lost his step. Got, yeah, Patrick, I you agree. said that when we started the show tonight, and Steve, I thought his prop total was going to go around that single play. The old Lamar Jackson, that's a 75-yard house call all day. I would have laid... I, a car on will he gain a, 10 more yards at least the only yes. question was does he score or does he get dragged yeah. down on the 15 I, getting I, tackled I, in midfield what's this I mean that's why he went under for rush yards yeah. that one play totally agree now when we return I'll tease you a little bit this is a quote from Steve I want to give a shout out to Dan Campbell I thought he did a great job coaching yesterday okay so we'll come back and discuss obviously the fourth down calls and handling of the clock late in the game down 10 Okay, Steve is a big Campbell guy. We'll come back and discuss why as we continue here. Sharp Money. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, all the Super Bowl information you need every day for free with Bill AD in the VEASAN Daily. VEASAN.com slash newsletter. You can sign up for free right now. Enter your email address, expert picks, betting strategies, latest odds and trends, links to VEASAN's top reads, and the podcast as well. Set your betting, I guess your betting plate every morning with Bill AD in the VEASAN Daily. VEASAN.com slash newsletter. Little table setter. Got you back here. Sharp Money. I'm Patrick Maher. Mall Shaw, Dustin Sweetles. And professional handicapper Steve Fezzik in the house. Love talking to Steve about, of course, what transpired yesterday. So here's what we're going to do. Pregame.com, Fezzik Sports on Twitter. Uh, we were talking, the text he sent now, I don't want to mischaracterize. You said you're generally not a Campbell guy, but did like the decisions he made yesterday. So let's go through these one by one, okay? We'll start with, and you said you like the aggression. And I think Lions fans do as well. What we're looking for is consistency. Did you like, and we'll start with the end of the first half did you like taking the field goal there and going up 17 I did and let me let me caveat all this it's extremely difficult for for Campbell because he's a seven and a half point dog all right and so savvy mathematicians know all things being equal like the math geeks will tell you hey this is going to increase your expectation versus decreasing your expectation of, of just point accumulation and point differential course of a game but that's not everything really you want to maximize your chance of winning so if you are a seven and a half point dog you want variance going in. You want to fake punts. You want to be um, like like when um, uh, the Saints were in the Super Bowl. They onside kick to start the second half because they were a seven-point dog. Good move. Increase variance. Take risks. Fake punts. Go for it on fourth down. And that had to be the Lions' mindset going into this game. But it all changed by the end of the first half because by the end of the first half, they were no longer a seven-and-a-half-point underdog. They were an eight-point favorite at that point in time so they should be treating it like hey we're the favorite now we want to reduce variance so i'm basically taking the lines have been ultra aggressive all year long and they should have come into the game saying i should be a madman and ultra aggressive and now they should probably be conservative okay they're on the three and a half yard line how often do they make it if they go for it versus kicking the field goal uh, the back of the envelope about three-sevenths of the time. So you kick the field goal, you get three se- you get three points. If you go for the touchdown, you make it three-sevenths of the time, you get an expectation of three points. There's no difference. It's three points either way. But I'd kick the field goal if I was ahead by a lot, and I would go for it if I was behind. And he kicked the field goal, I think, a very sound decision, and go up you know, 17 at the end of the first half. And that's perfect framing, because now we head to the second half where you say his job, Campbell, is to reduce variance. So the Niners with the field goal, cut it to 14. Lions up 14, fourth and two, seven minutes to go in the third, 28-yard line. What would that be, a 45-yarder? He, Campbell, goes for it. Are you in on that decision there? I would kick but it's complicated. And Patrick, you brought up a great point. Hey, it's Campbell's fault he doesn't have a good kicker, all right? But in the back of his mind, he's like, all year long, we're in the NFC title game. All year long, I've been ultra aggressive. I trust my offense. We're kicking their teeth in, and my kicker stinks. So I can see why he said, you know what? 
if you told me I'm going to make the kick, yeah, I'm going to kick it and go up three scores and go up 17. But I hate to miss the kick. And, and, you know, one added advantage no one has spoken about. You pick up the first down, you get to run a minimum two more minutes off the clock as you, as you continue your drive and then kick the field goal. So you shorten the game as well. You know, so ultimately, I would have kicked the field goal, but I have no problem. It's what he did all year long. It's okay that he went for it. I don't think it's optimal, but it's not a horrible mistake. A couple okay, things, Patrick. Couple, Go ahead, couple things real quick. First of all, I think all three of us are in agreement, Dustin as well, four of us in terms of kicking the field goal there. And I get your point on taking time off the clock additionally. But I don't necessarily agree with this notion that Michael Badgley is a bad kicker. I don't know where this narrative has come from. He's 18 for 21 in the last three years from 40 to 49. This would have been a 45-yard field goal attempt. There were not conditions in Santa Clara that were difficult for them to kick in. So I'm not sure why that is being kind of bandied about. Uh, to me, I get Steve's point on the additional two minutes, but Steve, I would counter that by saying that additional possession you now make the Niners have to get points overcomes any additional time you would take off the clock. Yeah, and I think I do think like if you're a 49er better and you yep. bet the money line, you're like, Wow, I don't think we're coming back from 17 down. Correct. Go for it. Yes. And it'll give me my best chance to win. And, and this is rare. Almost always, when you when you bet a team, you're like the other team, please, God, kick the field goal. <laughs> yes. But not in this case. Yes. All right. So Great I points, so I think it was a mistake, but it was not like that was the mistake that necessarily should have cost them the game. But um, I do think he should have kicked. Yes. Close. They don't convert the fourth down. And I want to try to understand how you measure momentum. Again, nebulous as a numbers guy, you probably eschew the idea of momentum, but we can get into how it starts to go downhill here for, of course, San Francisco. So the Niners, after the failed fourth and two, they proceed to score on five plays. The Lions are now up seven. The Gibbs fumble. We got a tie game. We head to the fourth. Lions, fourth down on the 30 of the Niners. That's the incompletion of St. Brown. He, down three, pardon me, Steve, down three decides to go for it there. In that situation, did you agree with Campbell? Absolutely, because now the script has changed. Now the Lions are the underdog to win. Now that all things being equal, things play out as we expect. The 49ers win this game. We got to increase variance, and the way to do it is to go for it on fourth and short. So I thought 100%. That's and that's the, the agreed that they went to the dance with that all year long. Stick with it. Go for it against Dallas. Not from the seven, obviously, but from the two. Um, I love that. It just didn't work out. Hey, Patrick, we going for it from the seven is exactly what I've been talking about all year. Yeah. Where I don't know if it's an identity, Steve, but that's where he loses his mind. Like, not there isn't a person on the planet that thinks it's a good idea in Dallas to go for the two from the seven yard line. But Campbell kind of gets lost in the sauce a little bit. And I just want to continue now on to the end of the game. Now, you heard me, and so I want you to do what you want to do with this. But when Laporta goes out of bounds, a minute 39 to go at the nine or 24 yard line, down 10, the line. Time is of the utmost importance there. Every second counts. I think you bring the field goal kicker on there because you have a great setup with him going out of bounds. You bring your field goal unit on a minute 39, three timeouts. I think you kick early. I like the direction you're going in terms of thinking about what's imperative. You got to score within the next 30 seconds and you cannot use a timeout. Otherwise, you're done so. All right. So within that context, I would have um, I would have thought to myself, all right, I'm going to take some shots to the end zone. All right. Basically, I, I tell my quarterback, you got 12 seconds to play with. Try to get us a touchdown. You know, and ultimately they almost did. They got down to the one yard line. Um, but I, but I, you cannot let 30 seconds run off the clock and you cannot call a timeout. So you have to do it extremely quickly. I know it's probably not going to work, but I would have absolutely, I would have taken a couple shot, deep shots to the end zone if, if everyone's covered. Just zing it way out of bounds. 10 extra seconds doesn't matter very much and then kick the field goal on third down. I wouldn't have done it on first down. And part of the reason, Patrick, I like I like that call better when you're down nine. When you're down 10, my goodness, you still, if you kick a field goal, you still need to go ahead and get the touchdown. But I know what you're saying. You could go for two then um, to go ahead and win, um, which would have been the right call with just seconds remaining. But um, I like that they continued to go on. But you know what? You need to have a competent quarterback and a competent coach and your play calling. And unfortunately, Dan Campbell is not a Mensa member. And we're going to get to this. 
one of the worst calls ever in the red zone, third down and goal from the one and a half, right? Where but run- his justification's even worse because he said he felt like they had the setup, they had defensively the Niners where they wanted them and they missed a block. That's not a good explanation for running the ball with that situation down in distance and clock. You know, what's interesting is everything's analyzed so much more. Remember the ice bowl, Green Bay, Dallas, when they went in and sneak, Bart Starr snuck it in. I think it was third down and they were out of timeouts and they got, so they get in the end zone. Yeah. So it's same mistake they lose if they don't get in the end zone and i'm sure green bay thought they could score and detroit thought they could score guess what even if you're certain you're going to score 75 percent or 25 percent of the time you're not so you throw the ball and you want to if, if you're hell-bent on running it run it on fourth down when it doesn't matter at that point i, I want to go back quickly to the third quarter decision to go for it on fourth down let's say the lions kick the field goal there's 658 remaining assuming the field goal's made and it's good how many possessions do you believe are left from a niners perspective in that game Three. Pretty clear, clear, right? Pretty clearly three. They have one possession to score. The third quarter's over. Yeah. They're going to get the ball back with, with 12 minutes to play, and then they're going to get the ball back with five minutes to play, right? Maybe four, maybe, but that fourth possession is dicey. It depends on if, if Detroit can run the ball. Yeah. So they need to score every possession. Yeah, when he ran it there, I and then they use the timeout. Now it forces them, Steve, into a situation where you automatically have to go for the onside. That was that was quite a turn of events late. Well, it's just it's it frustrates as a, like a professional gambler. It just frustrates you with like with the usage of the clock. And remember, these are the same lions that could have just ran the clock out against Tampa Bay. I turned my television set off. I said, this game is over. Victory formation. Run four or five extra seconds. Run the play clock, clock down to one. And then my my phone blows up. They're like, oh, it's the, you know, it's two dummies playing playing tic-tac-toe. And, they, and each side keeps winning. It's like Tampa doesn't use their timeout when they could at the end because Detroit screwed it up so badly. So that's back-to-back end games that, that Campbell has completely blown. And obviously no one said anything because he won the last game. But having said all that, it's almost like No Limit Poker. Remember Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker and everyone said, how can this dummy be the world champion? It's like, you know what? He's still better than every than almost all the other players because in No Limit Poker, being ultra aggressive is way better than being passive. And the same thing's true in the NFL. Don't be a wussy wimp. Go for it. More often than not, it's the right thing to do. But co- the billion dollar corporation, you've said it for many years. How do they not have somebody they're paying a couple hundred thousand dollars telling Campbell, a mathematician, exactly what he should be doing? We have to throw here. I'll explain why later. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly right. Quarterback rankings next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VEASAN pro right now. Discount. Use the promo code SHARP at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Get everything we offer for a year for $199. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We were just discussing during the break. It's funny, Steve. Steve Fezzik joining us, flanked by Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. Hope you had a nice weekend. Championship Sunday. We've got one. That is minus one with the 49ers in Super Bowl 58 over the Kansas City Chiefs. Just... A mile or two or a couple miles down the road from where the boys sit at the D downtown Fremont Street at Allegiant Stadium. But you guys were talking about, you know, how do you think those Lions fans feel flying all the way back from Santa Clara to Detroit today? You know, if they had lost by three, a moral victory. I went into this game, Steve, Lions 49ers like it's house money. The Lions are in the NFC championship game. They should have beaten Tampa Bay. They did beat Tampa Bay. So they're a seven and a half point dog. It's house money. I didn't feel like it was house money at the start of the second half so so again it's everything changes and my perception of the game changed once they dominated that first half yeah, it reminds me, there once was a Florida State um, game. They, I think they call it the choke at Doak, yep. where it was 28 nothing, and it ended 28-28. And whoever was behind, I think Florida State was behind. I, Florida State was down 31-3 against Florida. And, 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 and so Florida State defeats Florida 31-31. <laughs> That's what the headline was. Yes, you just feel so disgusted when you're up 17 or 28 points and you don't come away with the win. Okay, we do have your quarterback rankings coming up, but let's do this. You said pros love betting the Super Bowl. What will be the highest scoring half? And let's talk about historically how you've how you've approached the Super Bowl in first, second half. So this has been so profitable. Teams get scared. Even savvy teams like New England, they play close to the vest. And in general, the first quarter is low scoring. 
and the first half's lower scoring than the second half. So betting second half to be higher scoring than first half is almost a no-brainer Super Bowl bet that pros have made and profited from handsomely. But I can't do it this year. And why can't I do it? Because these Kansas City Chiefs, Spags, their defensive coordinator, makes great adjustments at halftime. And it seems like every one of their games is higher scoring in the first half versus the second half versus the fourth quarter. And it happened again in this game against Baltimore where there was like almost no scoring in the second half. So I cannot make the standard Super Bowl bet of second half to outscore first half. You know, I'm glad you brought up Steve Spagnola. Guys, I don't know if many people realize this. He's going now for his fourth Super Bowl ring. Remember, he was the defensive coordinator that shut down the great Brady offense in 07 when they beat the uh, Patriots 17-14. The defensive coordinator twice uh, for the Chiefs, once against Philly and once against the 49ers. So he's had a hell of a run. You mentioned Spagnuolo. That's, that's a great call. And he's a great example of why you never hire a defensive head coach. Because someone <laughs> like him is always available to run your defense. He was horrific as a head coach. Steve, we haven't gotten Steve's take on that. Do you want to marry the offensive coordinator and offensive mind with the quarterback, you know, as opposed to a defensive minded coach, you're fearful of losing that next hot offensive coordinator. What's your take on hiring a head coach? So this is almost like corporate America, right? Where you get promoted to the level of incompetence. So it's, it, it, it's almost like, like your, your, your vice president in charge of sales, right? Can like be the best employee in the company. Like everybody loves him. And he's like so much better than anyone else in the in, in the pipeline to run your company. And as soon as you make him president of the company, he's, he goes from being the best employee to the worst employee because being super personable and likable and interacting with all that sales force, it's not the skill set typically that is required to succeed and run a company in corporate America. And so I'd, I'd use, you know, similar analysis, to, I, always exceptions to the rule, but in general, what makes for a great defensive coordinator is not what makes for a great head coach. Patrick, I'm smiling because he just described the Peter principle at its finest. And he's so right. Cause you see that in the NFL all the time. Well, he also described, you just said how great as a defensive coordinator Spagnuolo has yeah. been. Does anybody remember him as the Rams head coach? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was there for two years. I, ha I had to look go. up when Dustin mentioned that, who he was the head coach for. Right. I forgot. It was the Rams. Yeah, I don't correct. know if he made it through year number two. Maybe he bad. did, big guy. Okay. So speaking of new head coaches, this conversation started last week. Harbaugh here in Los Angeles to take over the Chargers. We got into a quarterback conversation and Steve was texting and I was having fun with Steve and clowning him a little bit because part of what Steve does is he's such a good sports better and handicapper that he'll come in and say, I don't need to know who's playing. Just give me the numbers. I can make a profit. And to be fair to Steve, 25 plus years or whatever it is in Vegas, one of the best betters on the planet. And then he started texting me. He's borderline on Herbert being a top 10 quarterback. Okay. Now he has sent us his quarterback rankings and how to apply their value to the number. I believe we do have the rankings and we have a graph here to show Steve Fezzik quarterback rankings. Let's go ahead and throw that one up. You've got Mahomes one, Steve, I'll let you run with it. Yeah. Well, he's God. So that's obvious uh, Two, Josh Allen, uh, just because he can be, you know, beat you with his legs and you know with it with his arms so uh lamar jackson three and by the way these are quarterback rankings not over the next 10 years this is if we can have a quarterback for one year going forward when one year only has nothing to do or we're paying everybody the same so it's not like dollar adjusted for how much i'm paying the guys um i have joe burrow four um dak prescott five that would be a little bit controversial maybe i'm a little bit high in dak prescott stafford six you know cj strout I'm bringing him in at seven. What do you guys think about that? Am I too high on him? This is just for the coming year. What do you think? And this is all things considered equal. This is you're starting a franchise next year. Everything's equal. This is your order, correct? And, and yes, and you only get one year as a franchise. The world ceases to exist after next year. So there's only one year. Do you uh, want to give the number that you have in your graph? Because we don't have the numbers there. Do you want to give the number application? Yes. Yeah, so, so, uh, I started with Mahomes being five points better than a Joe Q average quarterback. Who's average? Geno Smith, Trevor Lawrence. I have those guys as average quarterbacks, Trace Fields. All right. So all things being equal, I'm five points better Mahomes. Now, an average backup quarterback is like three or three and a half points worse. So you do the differential and Mahomes is worth eight to eight and a half points to the point spread. So if Kansas City's laying eight and a half, Mahomes is out. 
Well, now the line should be pick them. Um, and I need to know that um, because it's the most important injury such, such that if in-game betting and if there's suddenly a quarterback change, I need to be able, be able to look immediately at my notes and say, all right, here's what I would make the spread. I know you've given us this. Is this something you mind if we send out on social? I'll tell you, Patrick, I'm looking at this list. What a great way for people next year to have an understanding of when they're looking to make a bet on a game. And you mentioned the Mahomes-Gabbard situation. If they're laying eight and a half, they're a pick them. I think it's a great way for people to be able to get ahead of what the line move could be based on a backup playing as opposed to the starter for certain teams. And you don't have to use Steve's rankings, but it gives you an idea how to put it together. Yeah, and there's some... And I think I, go ahead, Steve. Uh, no, Patrick, go ahead. I just want to give the... Because this is where it's one. Okay, so once you get to eight there at Tua, he's got Stroud one and a half points better than the average Joe. And now is, here's where we get to that Herbert conversation along with others. You've got Tua at eight, Hertz nine, Herbert 10, Goff 11... Love 12 and Cousins 13, and you all you have all of them one point better than the average, correct? Yeah, yeah. so they're all a slightly above average starting NFL quarterback, and I kind of throw a blanket over all of them. I'm really not sure. You know, obviously, some of them I have much higher confidence level, like Kirk Cousins. I know how good Cousins is. He's a good quarterback, borderline top 10. Um, I don't know about Jordan Love. Jordan Love could be great next year, um, but I don't have enough data points to be certain of that. So I put him in with that same category, whereas like Jared Goff, I feel very confident. Yeah, he's a borderline top 10 quarterback right now. Okay, boys, go ahead. Let's have at it. Now, here's what I would say. Uh, I would put Herbert above Hertz. I'd put Herbert above Tua. Tua being eight above Herbert. My mind is legitimately blown all things considered equal i can't even conceptualize how tua would be even on the same planet as herbert and then i probably would put herbert ahead of stroud so i'd have herbert and my list seven boys i would take Dak prescott down i think i uh, think that's for me, very valid uh, that, yeah 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 yeah. i'd take him down so i'd have herbert six yeah um i, I agree with matthew stafford cj stroud tua i think is a little bit high for me but it's a little bit of splitting hairs when Problem with two is it feels like the the situation has to be perfect or everything's got to be just right for him to be successful. But overall, don't really have too many objections. I'll tell you the one that I love is Trevor Lawrence being there with Geno Smith and Justin Fields. Guys, this guy's been a turnover machine and people don't recognize that because he was the first overall pick and the success he had at Clemson. He has not been great or nearly as great as people think because he was one overall. And and I think Dustin, I can't go to over Herbert. I can't go Hurts over Herbert just because he has to be schemed up in a unique way whereas I think Justin Herbert you can work in any system uh, I would probably put Jordan Love a slightly behind her I probably have Herbert at seven for me you know to, to be fair with Tua and Hertz is that I, I say this is next year's so this is really opening day next year it's really one game so when Tua's healthy and Hertz is healthy I mean I think Hertz healthy is better wait it is better than Herbert but I mean my goodness by the end of the year we saw what happened to running quarterbacks we saw it with Lamar Jackson it's just it becomes a problem it's really hard to throw the ball effectively when you're contused all over your body from all the hits you take as a running quarterback tremendous information and you can if you guys want to tweet that out I, I think it's a good primer for betters going into next year how to rank the quarterback great stuff pregame.com at Fezzik Sports on Twitter Steve Fezzik Steve you get the last word 12 seconds what do you got for us it's the Super Bowl it's one game don't go crazy betting 10 times your normal bet size the pros bet like crazy on the Super Bowl but they bet props not side total we'll talk to you next Monday sharp money Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, DraftKings, download the app at $5, get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Use the promo code VSIN. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Got you back here. Thanks to Steve Fezzik for stopping by. I, I think this is, I'm going to give a shout out to one of our old co-workers, Mad Dog Chris Russo, who's an institution and just entertainment. He posted a clip and to say that, and this is for not just people, anybody who wants to be a host, whether you're a podcast host, whether you're a host at VEASAN, uh, DraftKings, uh, any network on the planet, you want to learn how to put together, listen to any of us, go to the clip that Mad Dog posted about his take on Dan Campbell and take a pen, take a piece of paper and write down notes. It is just a tour de force of having a take Leaning into it, having historical data to back it up, and not wavering. It is, I encourage the two of you, I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I need to learn from it. We can all learn from it. It's entertainment, and it's also factual. So I encourage you all to check it out. I'll give you a little tease. Dog thinks Campbell just coached the worst game in the history of the NFL. So you're welcome, Chris. I just gave you a tease. And he doesn't shy away from telling him and he said all the losers on twitter that don't know the difference between lombardi and paul brown wouldn't know a football if it landed up there you know what (laughs) and talking about the right decision the wrong decisions now whether you believe he made the right and wrong decisions that's one thing (laughs) so very much believes and he's pissed off that we have to watch san francisco and kansas city again when we saw them leading into covid four years ago we already saw this matchup so he's just more mad that Campbell is precluding him from seeing the Lions in the Super Bowl. And to which I say, amen. He was robbed. We were all robbed. We don't, we deserve better than this. Like as sports fans, like as long as the season is, all the hype that goes into it, all the buildup every single week, the Lions were the story we deserved. We did not deserve the 49ers going back here again to likely choke against Patrick Mahomes. I, for me, it's not even just because we got the rematch. I think it's the way both teams got into the Super Bowl, right? It wasn't like they got in there going forward, playing incredible football. It was almost like they both backed into the scenario. Dustin said it well earlier because we have some more clips from Campbell. Like the idea that we're going to have to have 13 days of Kyle Shanahan quotes (laughs) when we could have 13 days of old kneecaps. Like, if you think the media loves Campbell now, what do you think the hype would have been leading up to? I mean, he would have given you plenty. He would have given you plenty. And he had plenty more to say after the game, big guy. Dan Campbell, this is with Tom Rinaldi from Fox, asked post game what was the difference in the second half? We just didn't make the plays. You know, we had plays, uh, we had plays that were um, in our grasp, and we just couldn't finish them. We couldn't finish them. You know, and that's re- very uncharacteristic of us. We've always been able to. Um, 
we've always been able to make those plays. And, you know, some of the things in the third quarter, that's not abnormal. We know nobody was uh, panicked or anything. We just, once we hit the fourth, we weren't able to overcome those. Yeah, I think, and Steve, if you're listening, maybe you could text me this answer. I think sometimes Steve likes to troll me a little bit, but he said in his notes, he thought he did a great job yesterday, but then Steve framed this. Steve Fezzik, professionally handicapper, better than anybody. First half, you're a seven and a half point dog. At that point, your game plan is to run fake punts, go for it on fourth down, high leverage, right? But everything changes as far as the game plan going into the second half when you're up 17 points. So given that, and I know he's probably trolling me, he's passive that way, but given that, how could you then say that Campbell did a great job yesterday? That doesn't make any sense unless he's just trying to piss me off through text, which he does a good job. But I'm going to say that that is a contradiction, you know, kind of like putting Tua in the same category as Herbert on an even playing field. I think this saying that Campbell did a great job yesterday, but Campbell's lack of an adjustment at halftime to score in situation leads you to believe he did a horrific job in the second half. Am I wrong? Well, what is coaching if not adjustments, right? That's exactly what, Kyle yeah. Shanahan, the knock we've had on him the last few weeks in the oh, show. Yeah, I can read you the text. It yeah. says, I want to give a shout out to Dan Campbell. I thought he did a great job coaching yesterday. That's not what he just said on our airwaves. No. He, in fact, he said the opposite. He said he didn't evaluate the situation properly I'm and so made confused. the wrong decision. I'm starting to piece all this together now. I'm a little confused. Huh. Well, this type of take works on those little podcasts, but it's not going to work on this type of program. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Dan Campbell, much like you, Patrick, doesn't feel good right now. I just feel like we're, you know, a little bit like every, everybody else who didn't make it, you know, and everybody else who lost, unless you're San Francisco and who won the other one? I don't even know. KC, then you, you've got a pretty bad taste in your mouth. And uh, it's what's great about this sport, what's great about the game, it's what's great about the tournament, and it's also what just crushes you. Just so flabbergasted right now. Just flabbergasted. Huh. Interesting. Interesting, boys. It's a great move by Campbell. Like, it's such a pro move to be like, I was so focused on this game, guys. I don't even know who won the other game. He obviously know. You don't no, think he I has judge, a smart no, no, watch no. or phone? No, Someone I, told not, him. I don't think he's paying attention because they're out on the field. That game, by the time it ended, I don't think he's worried about it at all. I, think I genuinely all believe him. I think that's all fake. Oh, God. No right. fan yelled at him when he was like walking back to the tunnel before kickoff. Hey, like, Chiefs won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I don't know. I just know you got to go up seventeen. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's, I'm never gonna get over this. I don't know how you get over it as a Lions fan. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I said it. I said it. I wrote it in my notes. You don't get over this loss. No. You get over it because you hopefully have children and you contribute to society and you you have a family that you care about more than sports. Do you? But as a sports fan, this well, this one's this one will stick with you. Uh, but it's perpetual. But 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 low key, do you? Children. Do I care about my spouse? family more than the Detroit Lions? You care about your family, but spouse, children, maybe, maybe this will put, maybe we're oh, going to have I'm... a young baby Maher in the next, I don't know, nine months now. Put life into perspective. <laughs> I think I, I, I'll give you odds on that. <laughs> <laughs> you can hold the baby during the show. <laughs> I'll give you odds, bro. All right. Uh, we got three minutes to go here. Uh, I, here's what I'll do. I'll give this is free today. We'll give the Gable play. And then I know you guys got a couple of plays going out. So Gable today has a college hoops play and he's got Houston and Texas. A good matchup here over 129 and a half in college hoops. OK, so Houston, Texas over 129 and a half. That's the race and sports book director, Thomas Gable at the Borgata, who's like the kindest guy ever sent me a really kind message about the Lions today. He said, we had an awesome result on the game. That's Kansas city, but we were a big loser to Kansas city and the AFC future pool. So that's the inside look at the book. Feel like okay, they, boys, they got else? up to like nine fifty at some point. They were that high. Well, wow. I want to say I could be wrong on that. 
Uh, I've got a play on this game as well, Patrick. I've got the Longhorns here. The original number at five and a half, now down to five. I would still play it at five. Um, you know, the Thomas Gable one went from 129 and a half, open at 128 and a half to up to 130 and a half also. But I tend to agree with him that the number came back a little bit short on the total. Rivalry game here in Austin. This Houston team is very good defensively, elite. Uh, but offensively, they're challenged. And I think the Longhorns, despite their ineptitude at times, uh, they'll be able to keep this game within the number. Good one. Love it. Big guy. I, it's just, you're seeing in real time during a broadcast the fact that I'm realizing I was being trolled. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, his hair's a little different. He would have had like the shiny belly button with the, with the spiked hair. You would have known immediately. You would have given it, given it away. Um, it's just interesting. It's not a bad Halloween costume for next year for me, though. Big old diamond in the belly button. I could fit a big one in there. It'll stick. And then yeah, the, you'd look the great. Wig. I'd be a great troll. You'd look great. Um, look forward to it. Let's go to Nick's Hornets. Julius Randle's going to be out for about a month, it looks like, with his shoulder dislocation. I think a lot of people are on OG Ananobi. I'm going to go Dante DiVincenzo today to go over 21.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Uh, Randle hasn't missed a game this season, but a year ago he missed five, and guys like Quickly, Toppin, and Grimes all went up in random games. I also think there's a chance that Brunson could be pulled because they're playing the Hornets. They stink, and LaMelo Ball's not playing. I think DiVincenzo will play over 25 minutes. When he does play 25 minutes, he averages 23.13 points, rebounds, and assists, and that's with Randle in the line. Up, so we'll go over 21 and a half. I think there are more opportunities for him, especially in the assist market uh, with Randall gone. Okay. Great job, guys. I'm, I'm exhausted. It was an emotional like 24 hours for you. Like, I believe 24 hours ago, you thought you might be going to the Super Bowl. Like, your team might be there. Yeah. No, we were about 30 minutes sure. away. 30 minutes away. Uh, listen, it, when did they solve my so- it did solve my quandary about social anxiety because if the Lions were going to the Super Bowl, obviously I would have been traveling out to Las Vegas and doing the broadcast with you guys. The Lions not going to the Super Bowl. I can keep my phobia of crowds at bay and I, as I stay by myself in Los Angeles. Hey, spare room's always open for you. Appreciate that. 45-year-old crashing on Dustin Sweetelson's couch. It's not a tremendous look. I have a bed. There's a bed in that room. With you? No, I have two bedrooms. What are we talking about? Flex, Dustin. We'll see well, you tomorrow. You're going to lose it if DiVincenzo doesn't cash. <laughs> Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.